Merry Christmas, everybody. You know, the purpose of our Sunday gatherings is to be reminded of the truth, uh, the truth of, of the gospel, the truth that, uh, that because of who God is and because of what he has done for us, we are radically changed, uh, not only our identities, but how we get to live. And so, you know, you, you, can, you can remind yourself of, of the truth in different ways, you know, m- most often on a Sunday morning, um, of the bulk of the time is given to, to preaching, uh, to proclaiming that truth. Uh, from someone in, on, on the platform. But the, the reality is we also proclaim the truth uh, through song, through, through lyrics, through the, the proclamation of, of singing. And so um, for the bulk of our time, that's what we get to do today. We get to sing, and, and uh, what a beautiful thing it is. And, uh, and so I'm not going to talk for very long this morning. Um, next week, we get to, to proclaim the truth a different way. We get to proclaim the truth through testimony through hearing from you about what you've seen God do in 2020. And so the way that that will work is we're asking that you answer four questions, the four questions that we always um, ask. And if you guys remember what those are, the first question is, just remember, who is God? Who is God? And, and uh, what is the second question? What has he done? Who God is and what he's done changes everything. It's the foundation of everything. And, and from that, we go to the third question, which is, who are we? And lastly, how do we get to live? And so um, I'm asking that, uh, that, that next week, you, you come prepared to answer those four questions. Looking back on 2020 um, and, and, and saying, who has God showed himself to be in 2020? What has he done in, in 2020? How has he changed me in 2020? And because of that, how am I going to live differently in 2021? And so um, that's what we're going to be doing next week. I'm looking forward to that. Um, this is a Christmas ornament that uh, my wife gave to me on our very first Christmas. Um, this is the cone of a, of a giant sequoia. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to, uh, to see a giant sequoia in, in person. Um, I thought that this was the seed of, of, of those trees. It's not. It actually contains the seeds. And if you, if you sort of smack them against your hand, what you, you discover is these little tiny brown flecks. Super, super tiny. Like smaller than the head of a pin. Like smaller than glitter. And, and, and one of these is a seed for a sequoia. Sequoias can grow up to over 250 feet tall. They can be over 30 feet wide. They can live some, somewhere in the upwards of over 2,000 years. These huge, massive organisms. And yet, that's how they start. Like a tiny little speck. Something so small producing something so big. Now, that's natural growth. That's designed growth. That's, that's growth that God intended. The conception of Jesus. When it says that the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, the seed is planted. Something so, so small. And the seed grows, and the seed is born, and the, and the seed lives the holy, sinless life that we couldn't live, and he, and he lays that that perfect life down on the cross on, on our behalf. He dies in our place 
And then the father raises him from the dead, from Jesus, from this seed, this kingdom grows and grows and grows until from this seed we find salvation. We find rescue. All from such a tiny, tiny thing. You know, we spend a lot of time looking at that, but what what if we look at the other side of that? That from something so small, we see something so big, but, but how did that great thing become so small to begin with? The Son of God, he didn't begin at his conception. He has lived with God the Father, existed with God the Father from eternity past. Colossians 1 says, for by him all things were created. He is before all things. The Son of God has existed long before the incarnation. Philippians 2, 6 and 7 says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. How did something so great become so small? In the words of Paul, he emptied himself. How could we possibly understand what that means for the divine to empty himself to take on flesh? It is a deep, deep, profound truth that we could not swim to the bottom of, but it's a beautiful thing to ponder and to meditate on. And why did he do it? Paul says here, have this mind among yourselves. Have this attitude like Christ. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. It's the opposite attitude of Satan, who desired to put his throne above the throne of God. It's the opposite attitude of humanity, which desires to usurp God's power and God's glory. The attitude of Christ is is not to put it above or to usurp the power of God the attitude of Christ is to submit to the will of God, to obey God. See, Jesus becomes small so that he could make God look big. Jesus becomes small so that he could make God be glorious. He becomes small so that he could magnify God. what he has done for us in this work of redemption. He does ultimately to give God glory. And we become the benefactors of that. But what God has done for us, he wants to do through us. And so this morning as we continue to sing, I would ask for you to meditate on one thing. One question. Am I willing to become small to make God look great? Am I willing to become small so that when people see me, they glorify him? Let's pray and we'll continue to sing. Heavenly Father, how glorious and awesome you are, this plan that you put into motion. Lord Jesus, how perfect you are. How gracious and how giving. Spirit, I pray that you would guide us as we continue to worship.
help us to become small for your glory in the name of Jesus.